Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I can't tell you how excited and honored I am to have my guest, Brad Jerzak, with us today. And I'm not going to read you his bio, which is extensive and very impressive. I've got it in the show notes, and hopefully those of you who aren't familiar with Brad can check that out. We've met once before in Fort Collins, Colorado. I was there for a three-day conference with Brad and Steve McVeigh and Brian Zahn, which was very interesting. But I want to tell you, before I give him a chance to uh, talk, uh, how much his book, uh, Her Gates Are Never Shut, has meant to me. Early on in my journey into whatever it is that I'm into now, Steve McVeigh said, hey, you got to get this book by this guy with a strange last name in Canada, and it, it will really change your thinking about eternal conscious torment. Well, I was ready to have my thinking changed, and boy, Brad's book really did that. So I just want to start out in addition to saying welcome. Brad, thank you for that book and your other books and all the teaching I've heard ever since then. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. I want to start out today just saying, you know, you wrote that book a few years ago. You've you've written other great books. Uh, you've done a lot of podcasts and teachings. We have a mutual friend, Florian Barrett from Germany, who's taking classes from you and things like that. What's your focus on today, and how are you going about doing that? Oh, that's a great question, how to distill it. Maybe I'll say that in terms of what I'm doing today is still in continuity with what I've been doing for the last 10 or 20 years, which there's an aspect to that, which is about a more Christ-like God, a more Christ-like way, a more Christ-like word, all of you know this series of books I did in terms of the beautiful gospel. And the higher my Christology, the more inclusive I see God to be. In other words, there are those who really compromise their Christology to be more inclusive. By Christology, I mean, identity, who is Jesus Christ? And there's others who their high Christology makes them very exclusive. Only the, the frozen chosen are part of the game and insiders. My experience, and I write about this in a book called In, Incarnation and Inclusion, where I just say, you know, we need to not let go of Jesus. We need to be in living communion with him. And the more we are, the more generous we are in terms of seeing the grace of God that's for all people. So right at this moment, I'm I'm writing a, a book called Out of the Embers. And it, there's an, a sense in which it's an extension to that. And I'm talking about the, what we might call the great deconstruction that's happening right now, where so many people are letting go of toxic theology, abusive kind of religious structures, and they're actually experiencing a liberation from mm-hmm. bad religion. The problem with that is that for conservatives, we think the solution is putting the brakes on. And for progressives, they think the solution is ditching Jesus along the way at some point. And many are. 
what I'm saying is what I'm calling the great deconstruction is complex. And for some people, it is liberating. And for others, it's traumatic. But our North Star needs to be Jesus Christ. And I just believe that there's not a great plan B to that. (laughs) And yet that can be a tough sell for people who have never met Christ. And I'm telling you, a lot of ex-evangelicals would testify that they have no idea what I'm talking about when I say meeting Christ or a living communion. So I don't want Jesus to just be another idea that they let go of. Mm-hmm. So that's my focus right now is how to facilitate encounter with Christ such that he'll be good news for them. One of your books in the title, it's something to the effect of hearing from God. That's uh, one of the things that I really try to do in my focus is to help people hear for themselves from Christ in them, because that experience trumps anything we can ever learn in a textbook, even anything we can ever learn, in my opinion, from reading Scripture as highly as I value that hearing from Christ himself and hearing Christ explain Scripture so that we understand Scripture through Christ, not vice versa. Gosh, that makes the difference, all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference. That was the first book I ever wrote. It was called, Can You Hear Me? Tuning into the God Who Speaks, because I knew so many people who just had not experienced the voice of God, and maybe they even sort of scoffed at it as sort of, uh, you know, the monopoly of the crazy charismatics. And I'm like, no, this is, the reality is that we have a God who communicates. If God is love, then God wants to communicate, and this is exactly what Christ promised. So then how do I orient myself toward that inner voice that is truly him and to distinguish it from the competing voices? So when you say it makes all the difference, I, I couldn't agree more strongly. It's almost like, apart from that, what what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, just so many times people say to me when I talk about that, well, how do you know if it's Christ you're hearing? And obviously that's different with all of us, but it seems to me, Brad, that if what we hear takes us deeper into love and inclusion and acceptance of all people, then pretty sure that's coming from Jesus. If it doesn't, if it takes us further away from that, it's probably a different voice. I would agree strongly. Yeah. I mean, we, I do quality control from the Gospels, you know, that the voice of Jesus in my heart and the voice of Jesus in the Gospels, there's an interdependence between the two in for me. And so sometimes I need the voice in the red letters of my, the Gospels to do quality control where my inner voice might be a projection of myself. And I need the inner voice in myself to correct my interpretation of the red letters in the Bible. So I'm always sort of, I have them in a dance with each other in terms of, and out of that comes exactly what you've described. It's, we see a God who has revealed himself in in someone who loves the whole world enough to die for it, you know? And so I believe in radical illusion as not as just a trendy cultural phenomenon, but actually is rooted deeply in the gospel. Yeah, and my understanding, at least, uh, that's why the Trinitarian view is so important. That inclusion has existed forever, and that's the heart of love, the heart of acceptance and grace comes from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being in community, in relationship to begin with, and then inviting us into that. Yeah, you could say that when we say God is love, we are saying by nature, the triune God is infinite, eternal relationality. 
right? God is relational, inclusive, and this is rooted in the very nature of God, right? And but then that that relationality became flesh in Jesus of Nazareth, and and He yeah. showed us how to do that as humans. Like so, in a sense, Jesus isn't just showing us what God is like; He's showing us what humanity can be. You know, He came as an example of us, not yeah. for us. Indeed, um, I believe that it's fair to say that Orthodox theology would say the Lord Jesus Christ, crucified and risen is the prototype in whose image Adam was created. Yep. So in some ways, he's the first Adam <laughs> and um, from eternity, you know, and how he, now this is practical. It's not just metaphysical. It's how he treated people, how he treated women, how he treated children, how he treated oh, the poor and the disabled. There yeah. we're seeing the heart of God, you know? Yeah. In a sense, incarnation happened when God breathed life into Adam and Eve or whoever the first people were. And uh, boy, I think the Apostle Paul talks so much about Christ in you, the hope of glory, us in Christ, Christ in us. That's not just a trite phrase. It's not just an afterthought. It's not a theological concept. It, it's reality to me. And Yeah, that's why for people like our friend Baxter Kruger, you know, coming to Christ is not about like us coming to some external being. It's it's like <laughs> I find him there in me waiting to meet, Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, sharing and this story is in her gates where a friend of ours who would never identify as a Christian and still doesn't, I invited her in a time where she was experiencing a trial to meet God and she said, well, where do I do that? And I, I'm like, well, he's he's in you waiting for you. And and so I said, now, if God is love and he, and you could meet him anywhere at all, where would you meet him? And she says, oh, I'd, I'd meet him under a tree in the middle of a field. And she says, oh, I see him there. So right away, boom, she's seeing him. And I said, do you recognize where this is actually happening? It's in you. And she said, and she begins weeping. I said, now, could you move towards him? And tell me what happens. And the more in her heart that she moved toward the one who's under the tree, the tree of life, of course, the, the harder she began to sob. Really? And I said, what, as you move toward him, what are these tears about? And she says, I, I just can't believe it. I never knew God would be so kind and so gentle and so <clears throat> loving. I always thought he was harsh and critical and condemning, you know, like Christians. Oh, <laughs> I gosh. said, oh, no, ouch, you know, uh, yeah. but I said, well, mm. like, when you look him in the face, what do you see? And what are his eyes telling you? And she says that he knows and he cares. And I said, what's the very first thing he says to you? And she says, he's telling me I've been waiting here your whole life. Where? In her, waiting for revelation of the God of Christ in her, right? And so... When you say, like, this isn't just a trite statement we make, it's not a metaphor, it's not a platitude. It's like, no, there's a real and living person who awaits that moment when we're ready to turn our gaze towards him. And what do yeah. you know? There he was in us the whole time. What do you know? <laughs> yeah. I think back, uh, I know you've heard Paul Young say it several times, but one time he was in England and uh, somebody at a press conference says, is it Richard Dawkins? Hawking? He said, uh, What's your opinion? What do you say about Richard Dawkins saying, you know, that he doesn't believe in God? And Paul said, well, I don't believe in the God he doesn't believe in either. And I found, gosh, Brad, I, I found that so true. I, I've been a pastor for 30 years, but I, I was a, a musician by trade before that, a jazz musician. And I have so many friends I still have now 
that I meet with, and it's sort of a common theme, you know, I don't believe in the same God they don't believe in, yet I can give them the good news that a much better God than they were ever taught about exists and lives in them and is for them and loves them and always has. And what a difference that is than saying, you know, you're damned to hell because of the rotten things you've done, and now you need to say this prayer so I can check you off my list. Quite a bit different. (laughs) It's completely different, isn't it? You know, and in that sense, people like Dawkins had a very fundamentalistic view of God. Their difference is they rejected that God instead of embracing it. And what you're saying, what Paul was saying, what I would agree with is we need to move beyond that altogether and join with Dawkins in the rejection of that God. Although I think he sets it up as a straw man and is not completely sincere even in terms of reading the cynicism with which he attacks. I'm like, well, you're, you are attacking a straw man. Bless you. You know, you're halfway there. (laughs) (laughs) So God defines Mm -hmm. true religion in part of burning down those idols and melting down those golden calves. The question then is after that, what is there? Is there nothing or is there a someone? Is there a there there? You know? Yeah. And Brad, one of the things that I so appreciate with you and with Paul Young and others too, is that you guys, even though in the face of the God that Dawkins doesn't believe in, you guys are so gentle and so loving in not bashing in a harsh way religious institutions that still purvey that false concept of God. I tend to, uh, not so much anymore, but I tend to still get angry and want to condemn them. And I, I, of course, I realize right away that's not Christ in me doing that. <laughs> well, it really is. A, it would mirror them, right? It, if it, if we're <laughs> an, anger and condemnation. Yeah, that's that's them. Oh, wait, it's still me? Yeah. Um, I, and I've had to work through that. Uh, one of the reasons I think I experienced those projections, you know, where like my spiritual father, Archbishop Lazar, he says, moral outrage is a form of confession of some deeply repressed <laughs> passion that is that we're suffering well what does that mean it means that when i look at someone else and i'm angry and i'm condemning and i'm judgmental the heat from that may be coming from the inside is there a part of me that i don't want to face a shadow side of me that i am judging and condemning in that other person or in that institution well in my case when i looked at that it was like oh i see my harshness has to do with I am embarrassed of who I used to be and what I used to teach. And uh, instead of punishing myself, I'm going to punish them for it. I'm externalizing my shame. So an interesting thing has happened both for Paul Young and for I is the more we've come to be at peace with the truth that that was part of our story. And perhaps we couldn't have gotten to where we are today with couldn't bypass our own story. And to show some self-compassion. Yeah, I used to believe that. And I thought it was faithful. And in fact, I was being faithful to what I knew. As I begin to forgive myself then for that and show compassion to inner fundamentalist Brad, now I look outwards and I can then empathize with them. And it's like, oh, you have a story too. And I didn't get stuck in my story. So I better not make you stuck in your story. But, you know... It's understandable when we see the harm that's been caused. And we do want to resist that without condemning the person. And yeah. uh, 
Paul is just an expert on that. <laughs> well, he is, and as are you. You know, it's amazing to me uh, how what I expect to happen so often turns out to be something different. I expected this first interview that we're doing to be something that would really help other people. Well, it's really helped me. <laughs> you've just you've just spoken directly to my heart, and I, I was taking some notes while you were talking, and I think you really nailed it. Well, we can at least use it as a diagnostic tool, right? It's like when yeah. I'm outraged, just to check, is there some part of me that I'm railing against through this outward thing? And let's say, of course, we should be outraged against evil and shame and all of that and lament it mm -hmm. and not be silent in our critique of toxic things. But yeah, to the degree that I become hateful, then I've not escaped <laughs> at no, all. No. Right? And I see a lot of folks who, even in the grace movement, they're still fundamentalists. They've just changed ideas. But the yeah. spirit, the spirit, we need to ask, how has grace transformed me so that in my perspective and treatment of people I regard as Pharisees? Because hmm. if it hasn't, then I'm still a Pharisee. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh well. <laughs> As we bring this interview to a close, and you and I will stay on the line and do another one, which people will see a week later, we'll be wearing the same clothes and you'll have the same hat on, but we will have actually uh, between in that week's time bathed, or at least I'm sure you will. And uh, so just to give people a heads up, but as we wrap up now, Brad, tell people how they can connect with you, where they can find your resources, all those sorts of things. I have a website, bradjersak.com. And that should connect people to my social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Bradley Jersak. I know some people don't like buying books on Amazon, but actually Amazon enabled me to self-publish a lot of stuff that the publishers would have really been rough with me on. You might need to search me there as both Brad Jersak and Bradley Jersak, because I've written under both names and I found out after the fact, you can't merge them on Amazon. So... But uh, yeah, I'm pretty accessible that way. And I look forward to hearing from people. And I also want to mention, if you have an undergrad degree of any kind, then you qualify to apply for a Master of Arts in Theology and Culture, much of which you could take online with me, but it's an accredited university. And we're at ssu.ca. That's for St. Stephen's University in Canada, ssu.ca slash graduate. So that's because it's a graduate program. So if you want an MA in theology and culture that is very Trinitarian, or if you want an MA in peace and justice that is sort of a Christ-centered, active faith, we provide that both on-site and online, and I would be your instructor or one really? of them. Really? Ah, well, that's a wonderful opportunity. Well, Brad, thanks so much for being with us on this edition. And as I said, we'll come back in a minute and do another one. But thank you so much. My pleasure. Grateful to be here. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening and welcome you back next week as we continue this discussion on Grace to All with Paul Gray with Brad Jerzak. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.